Holy Trinity Sunday is a time of rich thanksgiving for all of us. We remember the true God and how he reveals himself to us, not just as one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but especially in his saving acts and the works of his mighty deliverance on our behalf. To review what God does, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is a celebration that gives us peace and leads us to praise him with great joy. The first reading is from Numbers chapter 6, reading the last several verses starting at verse 22. This serves as the basis for the sermon today. Numbers 6, verse 22. The Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron and his sons, This is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. So they will put my name on the Israelites, and I will bless them. The Word of the Lord. Dear children, of the Heavenly Father, dear body of Christ, the Son of God, dear temple of the Holy Spirit, my brothers and sisters in Christ, tell me about your car. What category would you put your car in? Is it a clunker? Is it the uh, just a few dents and dings and maybe a stain on the seat? I remember that coffee spill. Or is it brand new, fresh off the lot? Give me a health update. Were you sick? Have you been sick? Are you in pain? Is it getting worse? Are you on the mend? Or do you call yourself cured? How do you feel today? Melancholy? Volatile environment? Slow and steady? Still waking up? What's the update? There's so many things. No wonder it's so hard to ever answer the question, how are you? Because you have a status feed for all these different aspects of life. You could tell me about your house. You could tell me about work. You could tell me about your circle of friends. You could tell me about your family. You could tell me about your relatives. You could tell me about your pets. You could tell me about the plants. You could tell me about all these things going on in your life. What are you doing this weekend, and how do you think about it? We could run the mill of the storytelling and and all the status updates through your, your mind, your mental health, your social health, your emotional health, your spiritual health, your physical health. We could go through the whole gamut. Doesn't it just sound crazy enough already? And then, once you say, oh yeah, mine's the clunker, then we have to start thinking, when am I going to have the right amount of money to either buy a used car or do I go new and I got to make that decision. We got to figure that one out. Or I got to talk to the doctor, hey, my health is in problem mode. You diagnosed me with cancer and I can't take this medication because I also have this liver complication. So that excludes that. Now, what are my other options? And do I start today or do I start later on? I've got to figure this all out. It just 
begins. The status feed is just the beginning to the problem-solving think tank, to the going down the long line of how are we going to make this thing better, the worries, the concerns, and they just multiply instantaneously. Are you feeling stressed? Join the club of people who are overstressed and underjoyed. Life was not made to be assessed and valued only on such a scale. Life was not to be judged just by such appearances as far as its value and how well you are doing today. There's another way. Faith's eye celebrates the reality that God is real. And that makes all the difference. I can damper the questions of, is this good or is this bad? Do I need to make it better in my life? I can damper those questions or at least take away the fear and the doubt by simply, simply, simply asking, is God in it? I can change the whole dynamic of life because God lets me. Because God talks to me about it. He opens up an entirely different world that doesn't run on all the things, the cause and effect that everything else seems to run on. It doesn't run on the probabilities and trying to work the percentages and we hope that this works out, but it might not. It doesn't, it isn't fickle and it isn't iffy. It's the name of God himself. So my key questions and my core questions are only these to the happiness and the contentment and the joy train of life. The question is, does God love me? Is God for me? Does he bless me? Is he gracious to me? Does he have his face shine on me and keep me? That's the key question. How's my relationship with God? This is the thing that calls our attention to the blessing of the Lord from Numbers chapter 6 in the words today. This is the celebration of Holy Trinity Sunday. You kind of take this like zoom out. Oh, we got to do this more often. Zoom out from all the knit and gritty details of life that are overwhelming and can stress you out and say, whose is this? And what have you done for us? What kind of God do we have? Today we get to the answer. Today we get the answer in Numbers chapter 6 in the blessing of the Lord that we'd have a simple status update to give. We are simply blessed. If you are in the Old Testament time of Numbers chapter 6, you'd be standing at the base of Mount Sinai. If you tried to read the Bible from cover to cover and starting in Genesis, this is the area where you get bogged down in laws and commandments and, and things like that. It's a long record and list of things that God revealed through Moses to the people of his will, how to govern their nation, how to be a people. We're talking of millions of people at the foot of Mount Sinai. Can you stand there for a second? And if you're standing there, what's your long list of concerns? So... Any water around here? <laughs> Desert life. How about our next meal? And by the way, when are we going to get to the promised land? I mean, you have so many things you could be thinking about. And God gave a special script to his people to hit on the one issue to be front and center for their well-being so they could run and not grow weary. They could walk and not be faint. Desert regardless. And God zeroed them in on 
the Levites. And along with the list of commandments of how to govern themselves, along with the list of God's will for their life that they would never live up to, God gave them a worship life with blood spattered everywhere, sacrifices, spotless goats, lambs, substitutes that they would see every single day just for them. God used the Levites, the special tribe, to communicate, his primary communicate tool through the priesthood to talk to his people about how we are doing. And to leave no room for ifs, ands, or buts, God put the words in their mouth. And in the midst of Numbers chapter 6, in the flow of thought, we've been looking at the encampment and the arrangement of how the Israelites were to be camped and how they were to march and in what order and things like that. And then you get, and by the way, priests, when you bless the people, don't say it any other way than this. When you bless the people, say it this way. You are my communicators, the intercessors, the go-betweens, right? You're the mediators anticipating our great high priest Jesus who raised his hands in blessing. And he says, bless them and say these words. And God said, just like this. This is a far cry from these words become like you know, the recess bell, grab your coat, church is almost done. Oh, the pastor raised his arms, picked the purse up off the floor, we're about to leave. These were the meaningful, lasting words on their heart. As you leave church, as they left their worship, they would know this is how God feels about us. He is guaranteeing it with a Lord, the Lord, the Lord promise. This is not a hope and a prayer. This is what God says through his priests. He said it this way. And I want another thing before we look at it itself. Another thing for you to think about is think of the repetition. Think of the way I don't, I could say number six and you're like, numbers what? I haven't read that chapter in ages, but you have these verses memorized for a reason. The Lord bless you and you know the words. You know how it goes. You also know what it's like to go to a Brewers game, stand for the national anthem and do the seventh inning stretch and roll out the barrel and watch Bernie Brewer slide down the slide. And you have memories from the rituals. You have memories from the feel of what it was like to go to the ballpark with the family. So we do something again and again. We could talk about all the parts of our worship life. We call them sacramental, the parts where God is doing something. Emphasis is what he is doing for us. And we begin in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We want to work the story into the core of your being that week by week you'd have something to say when people ask, how are you? I am a child of God, it's how I am. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and I've got a lot I can tell you about them, my mind is suddenly running on a different motor than all the things that bother and trouble and pain me day after day. I've stepped out for a different evaluation and a different assessment. My Jesus said this today. He'd send the Holy Spirit to us that we might have everything we need. My Jesus said that. 
And I received, maybe not this week, the Lord's body and blood and the sacrament, take and eat. We do this again and again. That becomes a fiber of our faith, the fabric of who we are. And I'm ready to remember it in the moments I need it most. It's the pastor's first public act to say the words of this blessing. And one of his last public acts, and everything in between, is blanketed with this flavor, with this taste, with this sight, and with this word ringing in your ears. The Lord bless you. Tell me that doesn't mean more to you than anything else in all the earth. You look at the way God said this. He doesn't give two lines, the Lord, the Lord. He doesn't give four, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord. There's three. A subtle smell of our triune God. And two verbs follow this covenant name of our saving God committed to his plan of salvation. This is the Lord, and he does these things for his people. He anchors you so you're ready for the desert outside. The Lord bless you and keep you. It puts you in a new power zone. Oh, so different from the the factors of life and the things that are power players for my joy and my happiness, typically if I'm assessing with all the wrong stuff. But when I remember the power of my God, the Lord bless you. That is not just the Lord thinking or saying good things to you. Like we might say, we bless the Lord in an old English sort of way. We, we praise him. He's not praising us. God blessing, when you say, God bless it, you are saying, God be powerful in it, to work it for our well-being, to work it in a good way for us. And we're not just talking about an it in the benediction. In this blessing, we're saying, the Lord bless you. That God would be powerfully effective in all the details of you. Think of the things that make you feel weak. Think of the things that make you feel hopeless and helpless. And see God's powerful hand touching them. The Lord bless you. Say this, priest, he says. Tell the people I'm going to put my name on them. This is my name. The Lord bless you and keep you. You've got to love how it doesn't even give an inch to fear. It doesn't even give a chance for despair. It's got a stranglehold on doubt and weakness. We are the Lord's. The Lord bless you. He is daily, powerfully effective in all the details of your life, working them for your good. This isn't anything different than Romans 5 said. Go back to what Paul said in Romans 5 today. We boast for Jesus' sake in the hope of the glory of God. We are going to heaven, but we also boast somewhere else. And he uses the boast word very carefully. We are also overjoyed in our sufferings. Because our sufferings produce perseverance. Since when have sufferings been productive? Since God was active blessing you in them all. That's what makes them productive. The believer, Paul says, we know. We know that sufferings produce. Because it's a simple answer to how am I? I'm simply blessed. God is at work for me. 
He says it to me every week. And that's how he keeps me. He blesses his word. He strengthens my faith. He clears away the clutter of Satan's lies and empty promises and puts the words of Jesus in my lap every week. It's the armor of God that I have, my protection, the keeping of this treasure God has made of me in Jesus' name. So he kept his promises in Jesus, and he sends this Holy Spirit, and he gives an increase to my faith, and he sets at my feet as on a rock with no cracks. My Lord blesses me and keeps me. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. This also is a phrase that's as real as it gets. It's as honest about our lives in the darkness the Lord make his face shine on you is begging for God's light. Because we understand how dark it is without him. First and foremost with our sinfulness. The cold chill that we deserve, the ring of condemnation in our ears that I have coming because I know the sinner that I am. It's just dark. And I recognize it's a broken world. Lord, make your face Shine, you know what it's like to see the sun come up. You know what it's like to feel its warm rays. There's nothing, there's nothing but beautiful with it. Warm, healing, stitching you all back together. Lord, stitch us back together. Make it so that you shine on us. Be gracious to us. Lord, you have to do this because we can't fix this problem. It's pure darkness on our side of things. Be the light. Please rise the sun before our eyes. And this is exactly what he did. And he used the Levites. We talked about the, the way they camped. And they would set up camp in a big old square. The 12 tribes, except the Levites, were a tribe encamped around the tabernacle at the center. How about a teaching moment? The dwelling of God is in the very heart of our camp. And buffered by the Levites, the sons of Aaron and Moses tented around the tabernacle itself as a buffer to the people, God says, so that my wrath will not fall on the community. That buffer zone was their worship. That buffer zone was God's grace because without it, we are a thin line away from heaven, from hell. <laughs> and for Jesus' sake, that thin line is awfully strong and powerful and will never fall. For Jesus' sake, God sees that thin line sinners are away from a hell they deserve as the perfection of his one and only son and the sacrifice for the sins of the entire world, yours and mine. That line isn't going anywhere. That buffer zone is God-given through and through, just like the Levites were. It's communicative tool so he can say to you, my face shines. It's warm. I give you my warm love. I am gracious to you. And he can say it and mean it for Jesus' sake. This is probably as good a time to point out as any that in the blessing of the Lord, Numbers chapter 6, all of the use of this section are singular. 
So just as you and I write our, we fill our names in under the sentence of the law, sinner, that's me, Lord have mercy on me, a sinner, put your name in the blank here, just as our own sentence, by my fault, by my own fault, by my own grievous fault, I am right there under sin, so I see the power player of God's grace in my life, and God says, listen to me, I am the Lord, I make my face shine on you, and I am gracious to you, 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 and they would hear singular from the priest's lips, and they'd write their name in the blank. God is gracious to me. Who cares about the desert now? The Lord look on you with favor, we say in the Hebrew. The Lord turn his face to you. Give his attention, his smile. They mean the same thing. They have the same sense. You know what it is to look on someone with favor or to look on someone with ill favor. We do this all the time. This is giving us one face, one way to always think about how God thinks about us. Call it his favor face. The Lord look on you with favor. It's the only way I see it. If it were different, I couldn't say it. But God says the Lord look on you with favor and give you peace. If there's one ripple in the water, it's not peace. If there's one chink in the armor, it's not very peaceful. If there's one crack, one vulnerable spot, then you can't have peace. But that's what this is communicating to you. Priests tell them this is the way it is. I see them one way now. The power player of peace is in their life. Not just the power player of money and government and social atmosphere and emotional well-being. The power player of my peace is at work. We You have my favor. We have peace with God. That's the only thing you need to hear. And before we go, brothers and sisters, did you hear the last line, the one you don't hear the pastor say when he finishes the blessing? The last line God says, and so they will put my name on them and I will bless them. It's his guarantee. He says, you take any of these phrases away and I cease to be the Lord. I am not who I am. If you say you can't have peace or you say I'm not gracious to them or you say I don't bless and keep them, then I am not this Lord, this covenant God for these people. But put my name on them and I will bless them. I guarantee it or I am not the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that they have come to know and rely on. Brothers and sisters, take this as your word. Weave it week after week into the fabric of your being. Let it be the song of your faith. And our Lord Jesus, the great high priest, why did he do it? Before he ascended into heaven, as as he departed behind the clouds, he raised his hands and blessed them. We don't know what he said. Maybe he said these words. But we do know that he didn't, he's not frozen like he may look in the front of church. But he's forever, forever the same for, for you. That we might have a ready answer when somebody says, how are you doing? And we can say good and mean it no matter what. For I have the Lord's blessing. And that's as good as it'll ever get. Amen. Thanks for listening. To learn more about God's grace or to support this ministry, please visit gracedowntown.org today. This grace is for you.